Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then, there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Sunday night edition of the pod. Going to get started again with our young player progress reports for the season in the Western Conference. Going to do Golden State and the Clippers here to start off, and then Liam will come on at the end to to do the Lakers. Get to some news in between those. So why don't we start uh, with those Golden State Warriors? Now fifty-five and twenty-one, a mere two and four since the last fifteen and sixty had some home losses, in part due to guys being out, in part due to Kevin Durant getting ejected. Uh, on thursday their 8.3 net rating is still second in the nba they sport the second ranked offense and the seventh ranked defense they've clinched the playoffs and are projected with 58 wins and are nearly certain to be i think they actually probably have clinched now they have locked in yeah and to take care of a little bit of business before because it's it's good to do with the warrior with, with a lot of these teams when we're not t- you know a lot of their business isn't about the young guys durant with the two technical ejection against the bucks now has 14 that is two behind or sorry that is two away from the suspension line granted the Warriors have already clinched their seeds so it's not big in terms of that but you know it's worth keeping an eye on now the three non-curry all-stars are back Clay Thompson returned from his fractured hand on Saturday and then Durant and Draymond Green came back on Thursday so you know it is really to a point a getting right physically stretch for the Warriors because they don't really and if they want to I guess they could theoretically impact the the playoff race for the teams they still have to play but I don't think they care that much about it until maybe like the last day or two of the season yeah and I think there are clearly preferences that should be emerging for them the Clippers the Spurs the Nuggets if they were to make it maybe Minnesota if Jimmy Butler doesn't come back New Orleans and then Utah OKC Portland you think are probably the ones that they would want to avoid in the first round Minnesota if Jimmy Butler comes back obviously could be an issue for them also let's get to their young guys right now it has been an unexpected season for a lot of these Warriors young guys both for good and for bad but let's start with the good 23 year old Jordan Bell Bell has had a, a a more successful season i think than a lot of people anticipated even even though he was highly praised as a draft pick getting acquired for cash considerations on draft night last year 18.4 per 65 true shooting and uh 13.6 usage which is on the low side obviously in about 750 minutes would be more if he had been physically capable but in the low, second half of the year he's been dealing with a lot of lower body inju- injuries and so that has kind of limited it his space in the rotation has been variable partially due to the just sheer multitude of big men that the Warriors have and partially due to his own health concerns. Right now, Bell has played 34% of his minutes at power forward and 66% at center per cleaning the glass. 
and for bell the skills have been better than anticipated he's flashed a little bit of a mid-range jumper though on a team that's this high powered not one that you wanted to take but his finishing even on non-dunks has been impressive then he is able to get up for those alley-oops as well offensively he's flashed some nice passing although there's also some tentativeness at times as well but when he gets the ball in a short roll he's able to make a decent decision a lot of the time does turn it over a fair amount that's going to be as a low usage guy sets screens is a guy who's asked to make decisions sometimes off the pick and roll uh that's it's not surprising that he has this 19.4 percent turnover percentage uh that's something that you would expect to improve in future years and really for Bell, I mean you mentioned 34 percent at power forward he's you know not a non-shooter but he doesn't have any kind of three-point range so clearly that's not the best use of his talents at, at power forward what is the best use of his talents is at center as a switch guy and we saw even at going back to the first game of the year he got torched by James Harden initially uh, off of switches then actually was able to hold his own later in games but because of all the injuries that the Warriors have had and just because he's kind of getting jacked around a little bit by Steve Kerr who's you know trying to teach him to play harder and because they also have all these centers that they don't want to piss off and Kerr just likes to play everyone we haven't seen very much of him just playing at center as that kind of speed center the James Michael McAdoo memorial role if you will but actually good uh he did start both Cleveland games so I think there's a hope if he can get healthy again and if all the rest of these guys can get healthy that maybe he will play some center maybe even start at center against some of these teams that, that go to a more spread based attack long term there are legitimate questions about what what Bell's optimal role is within this Warriors team because while teams have moved away from playing groundbound centers all the time, the time they do play them is most often at the start of games. So how they want to use Bell is very, very interesting because maybe he's better playing starters minutes, but not necessarily starting or getting into that. And the the Warriors will have to figure that out. Also, it will be determined as it was this year by who is on their team. You know, does David West retire? Does Petrulia come back? All those sorts of things. And so I think he's definitely a part of their rotation moving forward but what what part what size is still up in the air and this was his age 23 this is his age 23 season because bell you know played played those years at oregon so kind of want to figure it out and he only has one more year under contract before becoming a restricted free agent so have to see where this goes but absolutely unambiguously a positive year for him yeah he's a little light in the shorts i think to play against some of the biggest centers and the switching i think part of why they go more conventionally at the start of games is you know over the course of a long season like why do you want to subject all these guys to like getting beaten up uh, in the post more than they really have to some of their small guys to, to switch with so i think we'll see more of bell during the playoffs i'm very interested to see how he does because he does make a, a fair amount of mistakes uh it's just a question of whether he actually can overcome that with his activity you could see him getting into foul trouble and also the injury concerns where he's gotten these i think all three of the injuries that he's had now sprained ankles have been on very aggressive block attempts and so is he gonna have to curtail the way he plays a little bit that is a question uh patrick mccaw who we thought was going to mature into like a 20 minute game role for this team this season has had one of the more disappointing seasons in the entire nba yeah there was an idea of where that mccaw could fit in as either the long-term replacement for sean livingston kind of ancillary playmaker on the second unit defend versatile defender or even the ambitious one was kind of replacing iguodala even though he's more of a guard defender than a wing defender and there are a couple big problems with that one macaw's defense this year has not been as good as anticipated he's had some better games recently and yeah. playing more with curry's absence but the far bigger part is that macaw's lost his confidence as a jump shooter and his three-point attempt rate 
rate is way down. His, I mean, he's all the way down to 24% from three. And he doesn't have to do a lot. There's other actually parallels to this with Bell. Like, he doesn't have to do a lot offensively, but he has to do those things confidently, actively, and convert them well enough to stay on the floor so that opponents defend them. And he's got 74 points on 108 jump shots this year. That's uh, that's absolutely horrible. 0.69 points per possession. And the three, as you mentioned, has not gone down. I think the, the few times that it seems like he makes one is when it's late clock and he's open and he just knows that he has to shoot it because you can tell it's in his head. He's sort of like, it's not just, oh, I'm open, I'm going to shoot it. It's, all right, I guess I'm open, I have to shoot it. You know, it really seems like that at this point for him. And he's he had shot the ball really well at times last year. It does not look like a natural shooter. But I do think that maybe his shooting struggles really got to the rest of his game as well. We've seen him turn it over more. He still does have a lot of skill skills uh long arms good anticipation defensively although i think we haven't seen as much of that either getting into the passing lanes the way he did last year you mentioned the defense and and it really it's not a question of making mistakes so much as it's just he's not staying in front of guys he has thon maker disease where last year you know it seemed like he actually was able to stay in front of guys he played some great defense on damian lillard at times last year wasn't able to stop Kyrie irving at all uh and then it hasn't been until very recently uh and he's also been derailed with that sprained wrist but it's really on either side of that or i guess broken rust on either side of that injury it's been ugly for him so with him going into arena's free agency maybe that was in his head a little bit as well but he clearly reeks of a player right now who's lost confidence and then obviously that scary injury that he had yesterday thank god it sounds like he's gonna be okay uh it's not helping things either yeah it looked it looked terrifying and i have extended thoughts on this on twitter if you want to see him the injury has been uh it's classified now a day later as a low lumbar bar spine contusion which i've actually never heard as described as an injury but it makes sense you know it's just a contusion on, on your spine but fortunately x-ray ct scan mri the preliminary thing is that all of them are clear he's of course going to have to deal with special talk to specialists and all that kind of stuff because they want to be very cautious with this but i mean we'll, we'll see where it goes from here i mean i had thought that there was this idea that okay well it's all on nick young now but you know we'll, we'll see and the warriors will be as they've been basically this entire year very patient especially with support players and just getting them back and you know it it, it was scary you, you you never know if something like that is going to affect a guy moving forward but it was such a such a weird random play that the optimist would say that it that it won't just because the odds of that happening aren't any you know it's not any more likely in the future than the freak freakishness it was then 22 year old damian jones a guy who we posited maybe they should have not picked up his third year option i think that is looking prescient right now because he has not been able to make an impact at the big league level uh he's in his nba career obviously got off to a tough start with that torn pec muscle that he suffered doing a bench press test uh, working out for a team before the 2016 draft uh but overall he's played 19 games over two seasons only 123 minutes 38 this year and is only four of six from the field when he has gotten out there he's looked extremely jumpy does not appear to have acquired much better of a feel in the g league he has been effective there 70 percent true shooting and hitting his free throws pretty well too he's improved that up to 70 percent from 50 percent in the g league last year 20 per not doing as much on the offensive glass you'd hope that he could dominate there uh only nine percent offensive rebounds and still below a 20 percent usage does block a, a ton of shots though six percent block rate but that's just really i don't see him as having a ton of feel either for finishing around the rim uh, i mean he can get up for alley-oops in space but when he's got a body on him it's not amazing uh, at the nba 
level but uh i guess when he's only taken six shots at shot attempts you can't focus in on that too much he does hasn't looked great in summer league either uh and clearly has been passed by jordan bell so you wonder uh if his future in the organization is in question you could see us but him being a guy who gets just gets traded away with like their second round pick or something like that uh just as a way to save luxury tax next year and there could be teams that see him basically jones at the minimum as a as a worthy flyer for for next season i would guess that they would want to make a read you know at summer league or something like that because the fourth year option is always worth meaningfully more still not a ton than a third year option but jones played a couple years at vanderbilt so he's not super young and he is physically capable but you don't see this like crazy high ceiling on that end so myers in the front office are going to have to figure i think they should be proactive with jones and i don't think they can plan right now for him to be more than the kind of the extra guy on the in the center rotation and the warriors will probably play three centers like that'll be their ideal moving forward bell probably gets one of those spots maybe looney gets one but if jones is in that fourth spot it's useful and that's the optimist's version of of where he is and considering how valuable even a minimum contract is for them because the players the warriors can get for it i would expect them to try to move him if possible let's move to quinn cook who we certainly wouldn't have expected to be discussing in this space when he was signed to a two-way contract this season and cook has been now started 11 games and played 471 minutes and he's been awesome i mean better than really could have been expected he's gonna start in the playoffs he's gonna be a key guy maybe even after steph curry returns he's not gonna continue to play this well 42 percent on threes 27 out of 64 and not the easiest shots in the world either uh you know since he's had to be relied on more offensively and then what's really been booing him is 21 out of 41 uh on long two-pointers and then his floater game has been awesome as well 18 out of 30 so he really 55 percent on all twos outside the restricted area will not sustain at the rim he has struggled does not have the explosion really to finish there does not want to get all the way to the rim really prefers to pull up and and he is a good mid-range shooter i think he's a good three-point shooter he's shown that as a scorer and i think it's been good for him to settle in and have some confidence know that his role is to shoot the ball as it was in the g league and he can be effective i mean not as steph curry but at least as someone who needs to be guarded at the point guard position which is not something that they really have and i think defensively he's been you know i'd say he's been about average at the point guard position which is is not bad so i mean to get a guy who can make shots the way he has and play average defense on your two-way contract and a guy who's 24 great fine for the warriors cook will be a restricted free agent this offseason but we still don't know maybe, maybe. what we, level we, his, we don't know. no no he, he will oh, be yeah? but we don't know what his tender is going to be because he can be tendered either at the two-way contract level if he is if they don't make him a playoff playoff eligible which i expect well, no, they no, no, no. hold on but if they make Couldn't him play they, they could just sign him to a agree with him on a minimum contract that has money for next year sure as a part of as a part of it they could yeah. but his two-way contract was a it, it was a right, one-year deal right. so they can't convert him into that they could instead come to some sort of understanding they could certainly do that if they want to and that might be in play i expect it's gonna whatever happens will happen on the last day of the season though of course the conversations can happen before that but so if they if they kept cook as a two-way player he would be tendered at basically at the two-way contract which would be very good for their own flexibility if they bring him up he'll be tendered at basically at the minimum you know be that that's yeah. the way it pretty much works for guys right around and there. he's got to get so, brought up i mean there's no option not yeah to at this point well with curry yeah i mean at this point with it with it sounds like curry's gonna miss some or all of the first first round of the playoffs i mean you have to and cook has been i think it's been intriguing how good a fit he's been after durant and green got back because it was always un- 
unrealistic that he was going to have the ball in his hands as much as, you know, being the, not only the career replacement, but just the offensive linchpin when so many guys were out. Oh, but God, yeah. Let's, nev- let's never speak shoot. of those games again. I mean, some of those games, like, I mean, that, that game against <laughs> yeah. the Pacers when it was just like, that was like some of the worst offense I've seen th- this year. And, and it's not his fault. I mean, yeah. he's doing what he can with this game. No. It's, it's him and Nick Young, like, as the main offensive options. Not good. But Cook has fit in well as kind of an off-ball one. And he can shoot, catch and shoot, makes other teams defend, and the defense has kind of come and gone a little bit. But I, I would say average what you said is fair. And so that's a useful piece for the Warriors. And it's also extremely important because that is not what Sean Livingston does. Livingston, capable player, versatile defensively, can pass, but doesn't shoot from other than, you know, his his mid-ranger and doesn't make opponents defend him out there. So Cook is a different type of player. And that difference could be important for them, not only as a career replacement, but in certain lineups because they have so much more playmaking at the forward spots than most teams the Warriors can make that work for them Kevon Looney who had his fourth year rookie option declined uh but so he will be an unrestricted free agent maybe someone that the Warriors would want to bring back uh, he's shuttled between power forward and center played mostly as a center though this year until very recently when they they've had issues with the wing depth and had to play him at the four in better shape this year you know that was the, his big problem last year I think he's gotten to starting to work more he has a lot of intelligence defensively remains a really good rebounder uh, on both ends uh, great hands great length does not have a, a ton of explosion he can switch some but not really against the best guys he's going to get torn up against some of the best guys uh, on other teams if he's got a switch and also not really strong enough to defend in the post against a lot of teams either he's basically jordan bell does a lot of the things that he does better other than that looney probably executes a, a little bit better uh the skill development wise the mid-range jumper seems to have come around uh, when they've now needed him to shoot a little bit more although that's only eight out of 15 he's looked confident shooting from there the hope was that he could become a, a three-point shooter that really has not evolved for him and then he doesn't really have much post game or ability to score in the floater zone he's only six out of 23 from that area and as a finisher around the rim you know i would say he's eh, maybe slightly below average you know he's got the length he'll try to go up and dunk aggressively but he can get bumped off of his spot and he doesn't have the greatest explosion in the world so he's below the average for the warriors as a shooter at the rim this season anything you want to add on him before we move on briefly looney's best traits are his his effort and his kind of aggressiveness in the opportunities that are presented to him like if he he can roll hard to the rim and catch it and try to dunk it you know he doesn't try to do more than he can other than a couple of mid-range shots right now because the Warriors need that and it's useful I think of him more as a regular season player than a playoff guy but I think Steve Kerr disagrees with me so I think he's going to play more in the playoffs than than I would than I would agree with and they can bring him back but one thing to mention with this as we will in the offseason previews for some teams since the Warriors declined Looney's option they cannot pay him more than that declined option which I think off the top of my head is like 2.3 million for next season I will get to the Clippers momentarily of course we still have the Lakers to come as well and some news first though this for me Andes which is the most comfortable underwear that I've ever owned. They're made from a sustainably sourced, naturally soft fabric that is three times softer than cotton. And I totally agree. They move with you. They never ride up. You forget that you have them on. You never have to make any of these adjustments that with other underwear you find yourself having to make. And you have to take my word for it because MeUndies is so sure you will love their underwear. They offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you don't love your first pair, you can get a full refund. And that first pair will cost you 20% 
10% less because my listeners can go to the link meundies.com slash cap space. Easy to remember slash cap space because we talk about cap space all the time here on the program. And you can get 20% off, free shipping, and of course that 100% satisfaction guarantee to get the best and softest underwear you'll ever own. And, and for me, it's not even about how soft it is, although that's certainly awesome. The fit is just fantastic. It really does move with you in a very comfortable way. Once again, meundies.com slash cap space is that URL. Start wearing the best underwear of your life. Meundies.com slash cap space. Let them know that you came from us. Where do the LA Clippers stand these days? The Clippers are 41 and 35, 4 and 3 since the last 15 and 60. 15th in net rating, slight positive, uh, positive plus 0.9. 7th in offense, 18th in defense. And despite having a projected win total of 45, 538 projects gives them a 30% chance of making the playoffs, partially because 5 of their six remaining games are against still competitive teams so that's just a lot and by the way real quickly we're recording this uh before their game today uh sunday morning so we're a little bit out of date but so be it yeah they play the pacers in a in a little while and on the injury front they're you know good some good and some bad the good news is that daniel gaunari is back he played 25 minutes on and friday and has no minutes limit in their game on sunday against the pacers but milos tedosic has a tear in his plantar fascia he will be reevaluated in two weeks which is after the end of the regular season and is out indefinitely yeah and we talked with milos about how sometimes it's better to just get that tear and have it heal you know he's had multiple absences with that plantar fascia which now finally uh he tore after a a spectacular first half a couple days ago the main young guy for them is Montrez harrell who uh will be a restricted free agent this offseason coming off uh, being selected in the second round three years ago and for harrell we talked about him extensively on the last 15 and 60 so we don't need to spend quite as much time uh, on him but he had always looked pretty good in terms of the numbers efficient scoring it looks pretty good in the box score stats but i've been impressed by his ability to attack in short areas catching the ball on the move at the free throw line faking the dho getting to the rim and then being able to finish there the jump shot hasn't really come around i think if we were talking about him being a three-point shooter you know that's probably not going to be in the offing but he definitely especially on second units comes in and just plays harder and with more force than a lot of these teams are expecting the big thing that i worry about with him though to become a starter which i'm not really sure is in the offing for him is that the rebounding just isn't good enough the clippers this year have not rebounded well when harrell's been on the floor their eighth percentile overall in his minutes and sixth percentile when harrell plays center which is tough and yes you can make the argument that when harrell plays center there isn't a lot of supporting rebounding talent out there but second units you know you you, if you're putting more if you're having a guy who's a a rebounder then they're probably going to have other limitations if they're not good enough to start so i'm a little bit worried there i'm also a little worried because he's done a decent job opponents aren't shooting well at the rim this year but this year is kind of the outlier right now relative to his two years on the rockets so if if he's if harrell's less of a deterrent overall then that combined with the defensive rebounding is concerned but as a backup center his capability is is intriguing and harrell has not been good enough to generate a big offer sheet or anything like that so it might be a circumstance where you'd love for him 
him to be a little bit bigger in terms of his significance, but he's not going to be paid like that in all likelihood. Piggybacking on what you were talking about with the percentage a lot at the rim, while they do shoot much worse there when he is on the floor, they take far more shots at the rim. Opponents take 5% more of their shots at the rim than when Harrell is off the floor. And granted, part of that is because DeAndre Jordan still has some effect as an intimidator and but he's also played a lot of minutes at power forward as well and maybe on bench units you can get away with having not quite as much spacing i mentioned the jump shot he hasn't taken a three all year and has only taken 12 twos outside the paint i think he's hitting 25 percent on those uh we've talked about it before i think that he will be looking at kind of backup center money uh, which i think will be less than it has been before hopefully if teams wise up at, at least but you know something along the years of like three years nine million three years 12 million you know that that's what i think would end up being about right for him in restricted free agency we'll see you know and that's to resign with the clippers you know if he gets an offer sheet uh which i don't expect but maybe could happen uh then it you know you'd imagine it'd probably be larger than that if they're actually hoping to get him uh sam decker another one of the guys who's been a massive disappointment we thought that he could take a step forward he shot the ball well at least at times last season as a off the bench small ball four but the big problem is he's shooting only 17% from three and, and only on 60 attempts. And despite the fact that they've desperately needed forward depth all year with Danilo Gallinari being out, Blake Griffin being out when he was on the team, he just has not really been able to deliver to Doc Rivers' satisfaction. And uh, well, he's really, he's played 817 minutes. I'm surprised it's that much even because it seems like he hasn't played any of the games that I've been watching. It, it kicked up a little bit. Uh, it, it kicked up a little bit for a period of time. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it's crazy how it happens with with Decker where it's just like oh you're you just sit there and go oh yeah like he's on this team because Wes Johnson basically completely got past him in the rotation yeah and a lot of those minutes came in in December in December he played about 20 minutes a game and then fell out of the rotation yeah. again. and that's when they were getting and, killed too I mean part in part right. due to the injuries of course but that's when we were like oh these guys are totally out of it you know they're 15 and 22 or whatever it was or 15 and 20 can't remember what maybe no they were they're like 8 and 15 or something like that I think and then I was conflating them with the jazz at one and point. that and when Blake got hurt around Christmas, yeah. yeah, and then and then they played well when he was out, and then they did better and got back in the mix, and they still could make it, but it'll be tough. So yeah, Decker, eleven per this year, five twenty six true shooting. I I hope for so much more from him, and at a certain point, especially since he's not a rookie and they're they're playing other guys who it's not like they're super established. This is not a a, a young guy getting buried for a reliable veteran necessarily. That's concerning to be sure. Yeah, like Tyrone and, Wallace has been playing at the three, like they. Uh, they played cj williams cj williams back. i mean they really are very convinced that he is is not adequate yeah and so i mean you could think about the chris paul trade in a lot of different ways but they got less value from decker than we expected but i would say more value from montrez harrell which is which has been a big part of their success this year but we can move on to oh, the oh, second one round more thing on, that, on decker i mean i think he shows sure. is it's just really hard to evaluate guys that you look at as kind of three and d guys uh because you know you just don't know the shooting could could wait but it's only 60 attempts but maybe that's enough that you know doc rivers doesn't trust him now and then you know the defense has you thought that maybe he could get there but it hasn't really been particularly impressive to be a plus on that end he still can get to the rim he still has a nice knack for finishing but i mean it, just quickly what do you think of his career at this point he's about to turn 24 uh, in a couple of months i think that given the general scarcity at 
the forward uh, positions. You, don't, you wanted to say Darth, yeah. didn't you? I wanted to say Darth, but I didn't. <laughs> um, and, and that is so. So that goes really in Decker's favor. I, I still see physical potential. I mean, going back to summer league, he he sometimes he gets underrated as an athlete because of, because he's white. I, I think that's fair to say. But it's not like he's unbelievable or he moves his feet super well. It's just that he can get up for dunks and things like that, and has since he was at Wisconsin. But I just don't see enough to give him more than a flyer. And a flyer is fine. You know, there there will be forwards that are at his level that will keep getting those for eons because everybody's looking for it in the worst way. But Decker's going to have to prove a whole hell of a lot more than he has this year for me to give him any more than just a shot. All right, who are you, were you going to transition to after this? Well, the Clippers took two guys in the second round in 2017. Juwan Evans, 21-year-old point guard, and Cinderius Thornwell, 23-year-old swingman. More of a two, in my opinion. And neither one of them has been particularly impressive this year. Evans has played about 800 minutes, 7.2 PER, 28% from three on th- on 54 attempts, and also 46% at the rim and 27% from long two. And those long twos are 22% of his shots, which is not great. Every once in a while, Evans makes a pass that I enjoy, and he can, at moments, his intensity defensively can be good, but I would not pencil him in as a backup one next year on a team that wants to be competitive. The thing that was most striking to me is the unwillingness to shoot the three ball uh, teams go under on him he's just not looking to take that shot he's not shooting a, a great percentage but he's played a, a fair number of minutes and only 54 attempts is very low so and you mentioned then he's not finishing at the rim either in part maybe that's because teams are laying off of him uh yeah as you said i mean he can get penetration every once in a while he can make a few passes uh he'll try to get into guys defensively but he's undersized and it's not really like just totally making guys uncomfortable and the numbers are are real ugly you know the a lot of these rookies you know the really bad true shooting coupled with really low usage uh is not gonna be great so yeah i, I agree with you i mean but he hasn't shown anything to indicate that he's on a path to being a rotation player cinderius thornwell has come around to some degree with the shooting the most impressive thing for him is he's actually fourth among shooting guards in defensive rpm uh at 2.01 the defense i thought he was really bad early in the season i mean there's a, a game when they played the warriors when he just kept losing steph curry i thought he was being brought in as a defensive replacement and just making a lot of mistakes and just losing guys uh but that is waned and he's been a, a lot better i thought that he did a really nice job on dame lillard for example in that game they ended up losing at home to the blazers uh he gets into guys he likes to get out full court deny deny out on the wings once they give it up and, and make them really have to work uh, to beat him and he's got solid strength uh unfortunately the defense and uh, the man-to-man defense specifically as i haven't seen him be as impactful as a help defender uh that's about where the positive ends for him this season his usage is below 12 percent, which is jarring and his turnover percent and his turnover rate is 16 percent almost and thornwell can, i you know the question is kind of can he do the basic things can he be a three and d player and i liked him at south carolina in a couple of games i saw just because he got into guys defensively and it's kind of remarkable that a, a player can have an eight per despite taking you know his the main shots he takes are threes and he's shooting 34 percent from there but that's what happens when you basically don't take that many shots and 52 percent at the rim not you know that's not exactly where i'd want it to be but again it's a small sample size with everything else and he does take 40 percent of his shots from there but he doesn't take any shots 
yeah we'll see if the three ball comes around for him a little bit he's just not really athletic enough to go by anybody not really athletic enough to finish the rim he's one of these strong college guards who's able to carve out space and score at that level but really can't do that against nba competition we should also talk about tyron wallace quickly started 13 of the 23 games that he's played he's now back with the big club after that contract dispute wanted to move into being a on a actual nba contract but the clippers wanted to lock him into a longer term deal with some non-guarantees that that wasn't as favorable uh so he looks like maybe if they make the playoffs they might convert him if not you know they they had him just sitting down at, at the g league for a while but now that the g league season is over he's returned uh, and, and with gallo back maybe they don't need him as much but while it's a very interesting player has improved his quickness and handle getting to the rim which is good because he just basically never ever shoots on jump shots he is seven out of 25 from three has actually hit the corner three five out of 14 so only two of 11 above the break really does not want to take that shot at all does take mid-range jumpers a little bit more but most of that is floater range where he's been reasonably effective at 41 percent he's only one out of nine on twos outside the plane so really just a total non-shooter but he has been effective driving on closeouts nonetheless he can kind of if he has some space he can get ahead of steam and i've really been impressed with his finishing at the rim uh, as well as his defensive versatility so definitely a guy who's an nba player uh and is able to bring some athleticism some ball handling from the three position you're just it's going to be a tough fit as a starter because you need more shooting around him but uh, when he's playing next to like a Taya Dosich and a lou williams he actually has been a solid fit for this team quickly you'd feel m- much more comfortable with him him as a rotation player next season or even whatever season than sam decker at this point right? oh for sure i mean i, I think that's uh, yeah. that's very clear they're pretty close in age decker's a little bit older i mean decker just in theory fits a little bit more but especially wallace as a transition player uh defensively has been a lot better than decker he makes guys uh, uncomfortable uh pretty solid passer as well when he's able to drive uh, helps with the offensive pace uh, and maybe you know his teams really back off and don't guard him that could change a little bit since he probably wasn't at the top the scouting report at any point but no i think i i really liked what i've seen with him he adds some athleticism and energy to the team and plays it as other than his the fact that he doesn't have the mid-ranger kind of like a proto sean livingston type of guy you know sean is, a, is a, one of the best post-up guards that's been around in a while but and i don't know that wallace is ever going to get to that because he does, can't even hit a mid-ranger but if you imagine sean livingston without that mid-ranger like that's kind of where he's at right now i, I would say let's turn out a some news and where we need to start of course is in philadelphia with the injury to joel Embiid. yeah i mean just awful luck Embiid runs into markel fultz's shoulder uh fractures his orbital bone and suffers a concussion he had his surgery i believe on saturday and the last estimate i saw in terms of absence was from zach Lowe actually before the surgery happened and that was two to four weeks per league source and that two to four week timeline two weeks was basically the start of the playoffs at the time it was set yeah and you'll remember there's been a, a couple of these joe johnson for example suffered a facial fracture in the 2005 playoffs came back but wasn't quite the same mike conley had that magical game two in 2015 against the warriors his first game back but then really wasn't quite himself either we've seen Derek rose for example struggle coming back from this type of injury and especially if he's concussed conditioning could be a concern and you have to remember too that joel due to his health concerns doesn't really get to condition that much anyway other than playing in games 
and so the good news for philly is things have been going great for them they've been beating the teams that they should be beating in without him even though sharich missed today with an inflamed elbow as well so they're still on track but that april 6th game against cleveland is not looking nearly as likely now for them to win and could result perhaps in them being more likely to fall into the fourth seed but we'll keep an eye on where Embiid is them winning a playoff run certainly seems unlikely if he's not going to be available uh, and then it's also if he is available it's going to be a question of how limited he's going to be in terms of minutes and what kind of shape he's in we can go from there to the drama in Miami where Hassan Whiteside went on a, a tirade that would not necessarily be appropriate for many podcasts but we swear so it's okay and he said basically so he was pulled with four minutes to go in the third quarter and in a game i believe miami won right under the i can't remember if they won or lost but he said basically at the end in response to being pulled pulled out he said it's bullshit it's really bullshit man there's a, a lot of teams that could use a center shit that's bullshit yeah uh and they did in fact lose in overtime to the brooklyn nets at home that's right and some interesting periphery to this recalled that he'd been out with a hip injury for some time Spo had actually asked him to ask out of the game when he got tired which he had to do after the first four minutes of the game but Brooklyn of course uh, likes to go small they like to spread the floor Spo was asked about it before Whiteside had his comments and he said he had some good moments tonight they went to the smaller lineup and it always comes to that does the speed lineup get to size or size gets to speed and their speeds got to our size for a little bit and Whiteside also asked if he was questioning his future with the team Whiteside said I don't know maybe and said he didn't know he would take the issue up with but you have to imagine that the trade market will be cool for someone owed over 25 million dollars each of the next two seasons including uh, you know a player option in the fourth year of that contract which uh, I could see it picking up <laughs> yeah and it's it we're going to see a lot of supply for centers because even guys Nick Vucevic makes half the money Whiteside does and for one year around other than two and it, it could be even hard and Whiteside is a more complete player than Vooch to be sure but the the volume is is going to be important there I believe uh, Tyler Johnson played in that game against Brooklyn it was a little bit of concern he sprained his ankle but Spo didn't think it was a big deal after their previous game so I think that ended up being okay Minnesota has been dealing with a series of different things so the good news first Jimmy Butler has been cleared for contact but as Jerry Zagoda pointed out that does not mean that his return to playing in actual NBA games is imminent it's uh, an important step back and then on Sunday they lost it was close early but then they got the doors blown off them by the Utah Jazz and Jeff Teague did not play in that game Tyus Jones started and there were some good moments for him but I mean and Aaron Brooks was the even though Derrick Rose was eligible to play Aaron Brooks was the first point guard off the bench yeah and for Butler the Wolves don't play again until Thursday so potentially that could be the target especially if he can get in a couple of good practices now on those three off days to really uh, get ready for battle there and we'll see what kind of shape he's in when he comes back but the good news is it sounds like at least his return unless he suffers any setbacks uh is going to happen before the end of the regular season and maybe he'll have at least some modicum of time to get into rhythm this is one that happened last week but i really wanted to talk about it a, a little bit uh, mcdonald's all-american darius basley decommitted from syracuse and he is going to turn pro in the g league and if you listen to it the last pod that we did with dylan murphy he was great on this he was an assistant in, in the g league league than the d-league and we talked about how 
a star player right out of high school might fare and for me my concern is it all sounds like a great idea until you realize that whatever team has him doesn't really have the incentive to develop him within their organization because they're not going to have the draft rights to him there's a big chance that you're just developing him to go play for someone else now it might be good just simply I, I think that teams will try to develop them even so because it's good to have a star type of player in your organization there's nothing bad and to give that player as good of an experience as you can just because it speaks well of your organization and certainly your reputation around the league always matters for free agency but nonetheless the incentives there are a little off especially because it's the rare 18 year old even in the g league who's going to help you win games and obviously there are players there who or and coaches whose livelihoods also depend on winning games down there so it'd be very interesting to see how this turns out i would imagine i haven't heard anything about this yet i don't know if there's anything public yet that we'll find out that there's some sort of a shoe deal involved here which is going to make it worth his while more than you know the 25 grand that he would have earned in the g league you know if he can get a couple hundred thousand dollars and and hopefully this will get him some attention i think it's maybe a smart business move for him he can get paid he can be kind of seen as a trailblazer maybe get some endorsement money now and hopefully develop better in the g league than he will in college it'll be very interesting to see you know that i'm not a huge proponent of guys developing in college i think they develop better at the nba level whether that's the case in the g league as well remains to be seen but this will be probably the most talented guy we've ever seen uh, at least in terms of his reputation i'm not familiar with his game personally but in terms of his reputation coming in mcdonald's all american just go play right away in the g league uh, is something that we haven't seen yet what do you think i'm excited about it at bare minimum it could be the impetus for the nba just figuring out how they really want to deal with these players because the current structure can work but as you said the incentives are not really in line especially if it becomes a higher volume like let's say it's five guys in a year that gets a lot more complicated than it being one and i'm hopeful that it will work out i am not a a ardent supporter of the ncaa based system especially with the age limit i think i've been encouraged by some of the development that's gone on overseas and the nba can do a very good job of it as well so a good step in the process we'll see how it works out but i'm i'm excited because this is going to be different than latavius williams who who jumped from high school to the g league because well then the d league because it has become this more fully formed thing over the last couple of years we could just hit on this very quickly the hall of fame announced i don't even want to go through who everyone is the basketball hall of fame is really the shadowy cabal that seems to be influenced quite a bit by jerry colangelo no one even knows who people are who vote for it but mo cheeks making it over chris weber like you gotta be kidding i know weber had a shorter peak than a lot of guys but he certainly was a top 10 to 15 player for a five or six year run and i don't know that mo cheeks although he had a very solid career a long career I mean, was mo cheeks ever any better than the third best player on his own team that doesn't mean that you can't get in obviously but and was he a top 20 player in the league ever uh, i mean i'm not really sure as an offensive player you know he wasn't an amazing finisher he'd run the team but kind of you know, that was in an era when there wasn't a lot of pick and roll he didn't shoot three pointers that wasn't something that people did back then but he wasn't really like a dynamic scoring guard the way someone like an isaiah thomas was so cheeks making over weber really a, a massive surprise to me there um where else do you want to go here let's go to the wizards they got john wall back he played on saturday and 15 points 14 rebounds or sorry 14 assists not rebounds obviously in 31 minutes in a game that they won and then while sat for rest purposes in the loss to chicago shocking loss on sunday Otto porter had a uh he called it a tweak it was kind of you know in that borderline between a tweak and a sprain of his ankle but he played both games of this back-to-back that the wizards split over the weekend and washington this is about the latest in terms of getting 
wall back and hoping that he could be something close to fully integrated. And now they're going to have to reconcile bringing wall back with the improved play of Thomas Sadoransky. And they can make this work. I mean, adding talent helps. I think the Wizards are better with John Wall, but it is going to be a challenge with so little left in the season and the six, seven, eight race in the East being so, so close. Wait, they now. lost to the Bulls without him. I, I was told that they're better when he doesn't play. That's, that's strange. Uh, San Antonio, I'll take this one because I know your policy. Kawhi Leonard has returned to New York to rehab with uh, what Greg Popovich called his group. Uh, and Pop's quote was uh, referring to the outside doctors that Kawhi is consulting with. And Pop's quote was, I don't know when he and his group are going to feel like they are ready to go. If I knew he'd be here, when he and his group feel he's ready, then he'll be ready. And obviously now with a week and a half left in the season, it becomes ever more unlikely it would seem that Kawhi will return. What else we got here? Houston, now that they have clinched the number one overall seed in the playoffs, they're starting to be more aggressive in terms of resting guys, though Mike D'Antoni did say something on Sunday about getting back into a rhythm, and that is important. But Chris Paul sat in their loss to the Spurs with a hip a hip thing, and earlier he sat discretionarily with some hamstring stuff. So that's worth keeping an eye on but I'm not particularly concerned. They have time to get right. And one of the challenges for a lot of these teams, though, in the West, the high seeds, is they know where they're going to be. And so that leads teams to want to coaches to to rest their guys a little bit because it's such a long season. But they might have to hit the ground running in the playoffs because the seven and eight seeds this year could be really strong. Could be. And Paul, anything with muscle soreness for him should always be monitored with some of the issues that he has had. In Indiana, Trevor Booker did return tonight playing only four four minutes against the Clippers in a big win for the Pacers 111-104 that may have put the nail in the coffin for the Clips playoff hopes as they're now on 35 losses but so Booker did return from that sprained ankle but was negative seven in, in four minutes didn't see it how effective he was for the Lakers uh, Brandon Ingram we'll talk about their young players overall in the season a little bit later but Brandon Ingram is in the concussion protocol now uh, Josh Hart did return against Milwaukee over the weekend after missing four weeks with the broken left hand and Lonzo ball bruises left knee in uh trying to play pick and roll defense against Dirk Nowitzki and uh, did not play today in their loss to the Kings at home in an 84-83 barn burner another injury in the front court for the Portland Trailblazers who have already lost Mill Harkless due to that arthroscopic knee surgery with you know we'll see when he gets back but Ed Davis sprained his rank at right ankle and he will, will be reevaluated in I believe it was one to two weeks he said today that he intends to come back and kind of before the end of the regular season. But again, intention is, is always hard with this kind of an injury. But in the playoffs, Portland is going to need him, especially if Harkless has to miss some time in their first round series. For the Sacramento Tang Kings, Zach Randolph uh, has missed three straight games actually now make it four given how he's played especially defensively this year i don't know that that actually helps their tank that much and no real reason given for why uh, he hasn't been playing other than just general veteran restitude for phoenix who i saw in person today and we're going to talk about their young players tomorrow devin booker remains out as is tj warren alfred payton has knee soreness he is out for them as well alex len is out with an ankle issue Derek dudley had an ankle issue so they've really uh been scraping the bottom of the barrel there they've had some guys with some energy out there today whom we'll, some of whom we'll talk about tomorrow but doesn't sound like the return for any of these guys is particularly imminent and given uh their mission and uh their commanding lead for uh the top overall
overall seed in the lottery i wouldn't see them wanting to jeopardize that by having these guys come back for like the last three games of the season or something of that oak and peyton with him headed for restricted free agency in particular you would think that he wouldn't want to be taking any risks uh with his sore knee there appears to be a little bit less discretion due to the circumstances in orlando but the basic story is the same fournier and terrence ross are out for the year we've talked about that a little bit previously and jonathan simmons has missed six straight games he could be out too and this is just a, a big stretch for them in terms of seeding because orlando had four consecutive double tank games they already lost the first two to chicago and atlanta and now they play at the knicks and host dallas for their last two of the year so starting previous i believe he was a 10-day contract rodney purvis and then they signed him to an uh, a rest of the season contract starting him and wesawundu theoretically at least makes it makes it harder to win those games than it would be yeah, they are trying to play aaron jordan and jonathan isaac together uh, apparently that's just get a look at what those guys are like together but neither of them really quite the shooter i think that they want to be but it could be a solid defensive combination in time for the knicks courtney lee remains out with left foot inflammation he was originally supposed to play today but then didn't and uh, ennis Cantor has a back injury and uh he's had some lower back tightness at, at times in his career so another one to watch there as a potential shutdown candidate for milwaukee we've heard precious little until recently about both malcolm brogdon and matthew della vadova brogdon tim bontemps reporting that he was doing sprints at bucks practice on wednesday uh joe prunty didn't want to put a timeline on brogdon's return but uh he should be back according to bontemps before the playoffs begin and then della vadova was originally supposed to miss only four weeks with that ankle sprain suffered against the nets in early february but suffered a setback in early march he's still not playing but he did say uh four days ago to the australian media that he's confident that he will return for the playoffs and it'll be interesting to see whether he or newly signed to rest of season contract brandon jennings gets back a point guard minutes obviously brogdon jason terry will be in that mix as well and just a moment here to discuss the bucks epic collapse today against the nuggets oh man I think you ended up watching about as much or more of it than I did. It was a game that had some crazy swings in it. Denver Denver led, I think, by 15, and then Milwaukee took the lead, just bouncing back and forth. But then Denver was trailing by, I believe it was 15 with seven minutes to go, came back and ended up ended up down three, and then a foul call that I, I believe you didn't agree with. <laughs> at the at the end of it yeah reggie miller uh definitely committed an offensive foul on that play uh rather jamal murray did but the turnover to get murray that was incredible i mean the bucks call get fouled it's the nuggets foul to give with four seconds left they're inbounding in the front court they try to get it into Jason Terry and just throw it right to Jamal Murray. And not only right to Jamal Murray, but Jamal Murray with a head of steam going directly towards the other basket. Their bucks are up three. And then Murray pulls up. Cherry is trying to chase him down. And Murray just sticks his right leg out. I mean, it's, it was like it was straight out of the NBA's demonstration video on how a shooter can commit an offensive foul. I mean, that the if the last two minute report doesn't say that he committed an offensive foul, and you can see it so clearly on the angle from the baseline how far outside the cone of his body and just to his right he sticks his leg out uh just they should just abolish the two minute reports at that point but he did hit three clutch free throws uh, as a over 90 percent free throw shooter and then with Giannis having fouled out with about three minutes left in regulation also got teed up as well they probably could have used that point as it turned out and so now the Nuggets, uh, their season remains on the respirator for a little while longer, and the Bucks had a chance to move into a tie for the 
sixth seed and now uh they are back in eighth after having gotten some un- unexpected wins at least by the projection systems by beating uh the warriors and uh now uh they are still on track for the eights dennis schroeder we talked about his his ankle injury we got have a more spec a more specific diagnosis now he has a medial bone bruise and a grade two left ankle sprain they listed the expected recovery time as two to four weeks which is more than the rest of the regular season the hawks are not making the playoffs and Bembry, who has really had a lost year there is quote only some hope that he will play again this season it's disappointing second year hawks university guy but just hasn't really had the chance to play much and show show that potential and i'm not it's just unfortunate whenever a young player can go through this but i don't think it's going to affect like picking up his options or anything yeah and i mean i saw him he looked like he was moving around pretty well when they were here uh doing some pregame workouts but with him having missed as much time those abdominal injuries are tricky uh and then schroeder i we were at that game he turned that left ankle all the way to the floor and then somehow came back in the game uh which was preposterous and then now he's gonna miss two to four weeks and has a grade two left ankle sprain. i mean the fact that he was enough of a badass to come back in the game was impressive uh but equally unimpressive that he was allowed to with such a severe injury especially in a game like this where uh or in a season like this where you know they're not playing for anything uh what else we got speaking of not playing for anything the memphis grizzlies did a pretty amazing one on i believe that was saturday or friday against the the jazz so marcus soul had 28 points on 11 of 12 shooting in the first three quarters and was plus four against the jazz then jb bickerstaff sits gasol for the entire fourth quarter claiming that he wanted to play their young guys and unsurprisingly the memphis grizzlies lost that game by 10 and obviously that's a, a little questionable one of the things that's occurred to me I, i'm by no means a fantasy basketball expert but certainly fantasy football has been huge in the rise of the nfl and i'm sure that the nba would love it if people played fantasy basketball seriously but like what is it like to be a fantasy owner when your guy is just on fire and then they just take him out of the game because they don't want to win it i mean how frustrating must that be and especially this is the end of the season when presumably you're gunning for your fantasy championship and to have you like your league race be affected by that it's got to just be like incredibly annoying and obviously i'm not suggesting that fantasy basketball should determine player usage but it's just a you would think at least it'd be nice if when you're trying to make your decisions for your fantasy team you could count on teams like actually trying to make the optimal decisions to like win games uh anyway that, that's a brief aside also for them tyreek evans uh is not with the team due to personal reasons and starting to feel like another one of these that hey eh, you know what hey just go home for the rest of the season good thing they kept him around by the way it really <laughs> that's what do you think the percent chance is that he returns there in the offseason maybe they'll just have the best offer if they give him the full mle for four years or something yeah they they can offer the full mle now i believe and still stay under the tax so it's it's possible but i mean does he really I, in some ways this is a parallel to the the whole dwight howard thing of like maybe if you want this guy long term and i'm not saying this was the case with tyree because they signed him as a free agent but it's better to not know what goes on because i this season has to have been dispiriting for evans he's had a good year individually but the grizzlies have been such a disaster due to injuries and just disappointment overall so i think it's low you know like 15 to 20 percent but again the idea that they could make a better offer though i don't see them offering like long term you know years and he might be looking for that kind of you know maybe it's fewer less salary but more years that's possible andrew harrison also missing time for the grizz with uh, a wrist and shoulder injuries and uh, that has been kobe simmons time getting a lot of playing time for them for golden state andre guadala missed the last two games with knee soreness he had been playing extremely well and then this happens to him 
him a fair amount it seems like where if he really tries to kick it into gear a lot of times on like a landing from a dunk he'll end up or or a power layup off of one foot he'll end up aggravating that knee tendonitis uh and so say he's making progress maybe he can return this week uh, but too bad for him since he'd been playing so well uh in denver gary harris remains out probably about a week away uh, uh it seems like uh, according to mike malone as of friday so no sign that, that he's on his way back and then with the Pistons, Blake Griffin, you have to imagine he's going to be done for the year. They haven't officially announced that, but he's only going to be reevaluated in a week uh, with a right ankle bone bruise, and he'll be given uh, a timetable for return as of that point. And then finally in Dallas, J.J. Uh, Beret has missed time for personal reasons. He's to return Tuesday against Portland. That actually probably won't help them beat Portland, but Beret has actually been their most effective point guard this year in terms of actually winning games. So that uh, will help them win games in theory. And then uh, and they have that big matchup against them magic coming up that huge double tank game um and then finally uh, in cleveland a, a little news there before we move on to the lakers yeah the early thing that happened right after we recorded our last show was Ty Lu rejoined the Cavs in their game against new orleans but as an observer so he's making his way back to coaching larry drew still ha- still is on the on the sidelines for them george hill had an ankle sprain i have not seen any specific timeline yet he did not play in their win over the mavericks today and then kyle corver is dealing with some soreness in his right foot of course also the recent tragedy tragic loss of his brother and he also did not play in their win against the Mavericks. i forgot we had two more things cody zeller is out for the season as we foreshadowed it in the last episode uh, with knee soreness and then marcus smart declared that he hopes to return for the second round of the playoffs uh, coming off that thumb surgery and Kyrie irving a week after his surgery uh, brad stevens said he's basically just been bending his knee on the training table and, and hasn't been able to do much else as of yet uh, but no idea whether that's like on track for the three to six weeks you know the lower end of that timetable or not i will get to the lakers momentarily but first with the national championship game tomorrow and no nba basketball we will have a show but maybe you want to watch a little college basketball with so many games in ncaa march madness you never know what's going to happen well there's only one left now but presumably you've been going to walmart before every round to stock up on coca-cola coke zero sugar and powerade before the next round tips off coca-cola is of course the official fan refreshment of the ncaa and you you can watch all the games by picking up coca-cola and powerade all turning long ncaa march madness isn't just one game it's a whole tournament make sure that you're ready refresh every round by heading to walmart to pick up coca-cola coke zero sugar and powerade so since danny and i have spoken so much about the lakers young players uh, of late we did a huge breakdown on brandon ingram we've done multiple of lonzo ball uh, over the course of the year thought this would be a good time to get some fresh eyes uh, on this team with our intern liam doyle so liam uh why don't you start us off here with the lakers we'll go through their fundamentals quickly 33 and 43 two and five since we last checked in on them their negative 1.0 net rating is 21st in the nba and they have the 23rd ranked offense and the 13th ranked defense projected to finish with 35 wins so why don't we start with a 20 year old lonzo ball just if we want to take a quick look at his season overall what'd you see i think you got to start with uh just some of the weaknesses just because they've been so glaring uh scoring frequency and efficiency have been you know, a big problem for him all season he's ninth on the team in usage and he has a dreadful 44 percent true shooting percentage and i i wanted to take a look at those numbers uh since february 1st to see if you know he's gotten better over the course of the year if he's had you know improvement over the last two months and really yeah because it was much ballyhooed it was much ballyhooed when he returned from uh that 
knee injury that oh he's shooting so much better now but uh that seems to have regressed of late yeah and he had that you know really rough stretch to start the year but even you know after since february 1st that he's really struggling too. 46 percent true shooting percentage the usage is about the same and if you just look at like every area that he's shooting on the floor he's not a threat from anywhere he's you know an awful 48 percent at, at the rim 32 percent from mid-range 31 percent three is probably the area he's best at and I th- a lot of his problems you know if he's going to be you know a great distributor main ball handler you know his passing vision is obviously such a strength but he needs to you know be able to score you know in the paint to draw the big over and you know create passing angles and be able to take advantage of that strength and right now he can't really do that because of his lack of a finishing ability and just like I tried to watch as many of his uh, finish attempts as I could on NBA.com and a lot of the time I thought he was avoiding contact and he's got a really low free throw rate and I don't know if he's avoiding that because he's such a bad free throw shooter with a uh, 45% on the year which is another concern but he's, he's got a small frame that he kind of bounces off bigger defenders he's not looking for contact he's not very flexible when he's jumping and he doesn't really get up very high off one foot I know he has some plays where he'll get up pretty well off of two catch those lobs off those cuts that he had a lot of at UCLA but off one when he's trying to you know drive through a lane he'll, he'll kind of you know angle out to the side and won't really get up vertically and that's definitely a concern and it, especially when you factor in that 20% of his possessions are coming in transition at where he's an awful 0.77 points per possession in transition which is practically unheard of so you got to think a lot of those shots are at the rim and if he can't finish those how's he going to be able to finish in the half yeah part of it too with those point guards are always going to have lower point per possession in transition because transition is a high turnover time and point guards are usually the ones pushing the ball who are going to commit those turnovers so you'll usually see that those guys just are are lower in general than like a wing or a big where you're pretty much just finishing the play more often but uh certainly the fact that he has not been able to get to the rim against any kind of opposition you remember he shot that fantastic 70 percent at the rim at ucla but a lot of that was just being very judicious about his finishing attempts and not really going in and finishing over bigger players i watched him work out before the Lakers played at Golden State and the coaches are saying hey you're 6'6 like extend the ball out in front of you we want you to be able to beat guys with your length and he seemed to have like a little bit of trouble processing that you know he's not really getting great extension I'm not sure how big his hands are in terms of like the ability to move the ball around with one hand I mean and you don't see any kind of the craft from him that you see from some smaller point guards they floaters the one hand uh you know right hand right foot left hand left foot type of finishes um the floater game has gotten a little bit better but it still doesn't look natural to him he kind of shoots his floater with like sort of the same shooting motion that it, that he has normally which of course is kind of weird so he, he's definitely because of the, i think the way that he shoots and you know and he's able to do some amazing things with the ball especially as a passer but he just doesn't really seem comfortable finishing in some of the conventional ways that we see most point guards and guys who drive to the basket be able to finish yeah and he's not finishing in those areas that you need a point guard to finish uh as far as like pick and roll ball handler iso he points six one points per possession as a pick and roll handler point six three points per possession as an iso so that's really concerning that he hasn't been able to you know develop that over the course of the year and the shooting's another problem just spotting up and obviously the pull up with his form is another issue but even as a spot up shooter 45 percent free throw percentage you know this 
late in the season is really concerning for a point guard. And especially, he, he was a great shooter at UCLA, but in high school, if now correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think he was known as a you know, high-level shooter. So then I don't He know, would take a lot of shots, you know, and take a lot of deep shots, but they didn't go in that much. You know what I mean? I think in like Draft Express's database, which is, you know, gets higher level competition, certainly. And I think he was at like 29% across like AAU games, like his junior and senior year, you know, Adidas Nations, like those type of competitions. Yeah, and there's definitely some doubt that's starting to creep into my mind about, you know, was that one year at UCLA, you know, was that kind of, I don't know, fluky, maybe the wrong word, but that not it, not as indicative what type of shooter he is overall. And I, I feel like I've only been saying negative things about him, despite everything that, you know, I've yeah. gone through. Yeah, so you have. Far. <laughs> well, I had, I had the good stuff saved for the second section. Yeah. So no, no, no. I, that that's fair. That's fair. I I still believe in him. You know, a lot as a player. I think he's going to be a pretty high level starter just because of the way he sees the game and the passing acumen. Obviously, I don't need to go too much into the passing. I, I think everybody you know knows how special he is in that area. And I wanted to take a look at how much uh, the tempo changes with him in the game and the the amount of possessions and transition really increases with him in the game. And I, like we've gone over before, when you're getting those positions in transition, there's so much more value than a half court possession so that he gets a lot of value there and defensively he's been much better than I think most could have anticipated with him coming into the year he still struggles in some areas he's not as good on ball laterally I don't think he's great just you know one-on-one against guys he's not great at getting skinny through screens screens off ball and he fell behind on a a lot of those um, wide pin downs that I saw him defend but I think he's really fantastic when he has to roam you know when he's guarding somebody on the weak side he's allowed to you know see where guys are trying to throw the ball and get those steals he's got a great steal percentage great block percentage he's got long active hand uh there were a couple times where they'd ice the, the down screen you know force the point guard down towards the baseline and he was really good at ju- you know jumping up and being active denying that pass back to the big man so i think there's a lot of you know good things to build off of as far as him as a defensive player that especially when you factor in his defensive rebounding percentage that um you know th- if he's not going to be as potent of a score you know he's going to need to be a more impactful defender and i think he can be yeah and he closes on the ball really quickly too he, he has a great sense for you know when a post player has turned his back when you know really the uh the black hole post player has reached the event horizon and the, the ball's not coming out of there and he's just gonna go for uh for the turnaround jumper you know he'll come uh, and block that or or sneak around behind someone when he turns his back to goal and, and poke the ball away so he's, he's really good at that real good at getting in the passing lanes much better i think as an off-ball defender to be sure it needs to get stronger i think a lot of where he can improve is as a switch guy but he's not quite quite strong enough to to deal with uh, bigger players in the post as of yet and, and you mentioned his defensive rebounding which is uh, really outstanding and obviously when he gets a defensive rebound he can push the ball so i'm going to put you on the spot here where do you see his ultimate destiny being obviously it's very early in his career a lot of these things that we talked about could improve but where do you see him kind of settling in as a player can he be an all-star can he be the type of player that people thought he, he could be coming out of school is he going to be a solid starter like what do you see him ultimately evolving into if i had to bet right now i'd bet on him making i don't know one or two all-star games you know having a good season i i'd be pretty surprised if he was an all nba type guy so i think you know short of that area but and i'm not i don't want to like fully compare him to this player but i mean jason kidd you look at some of the struggles that he had during his rookie year and his ability to improve his shooting obviously becoming a great three-point shooter now obviously that's you know unprecedented you know improvement besides jason kidd but like there are possible there are avenues for him to become a more potent scorer and especially with all of his other you know skills i think it's pretty i don't know i think it's very likely that he's going to be a high quality starter and i think he will make like an all-star game or two down the line um depending 
on uh, you know his development overall. And obviously, he's going to get the Los Angeles fan vote bump, so maybe he'll even get voted in one time. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd have to guess there. What about what about you? Where do you see you know his peak or you know expected value of his career? I could see him getting there certainly because of of all the strengths that we've discussed. But the scoring and the shooting is just so much of a weakness right now, and he just has so many massive improvements that need to be made. Whether it's being able to create separation off the dribble, you know that's not something that we really discussed a lot, but just being able to blow by a guy, you know, we haven't really seen that for him. The crossover, the advanced dribble moves to create separation, you know, that we haven't seen a ton of that. Gotten a little bit better in pick and roll operation, uh, but the floater game he's got to work on. Just being able to pull up for a normal jump shot, he's taking some baby steps there. He's taking some baby steps in terms of being able to shoot going to his right, being able to hit three-pointers and to hit difficult three-pointers which is really you know as a spot-up guy coming off of screens you know is he going to be able to do all of that is he going to be able to finish at the rim is he actually going to make some free throws if he doesn't improve his free throw shooting and, and i mean you know he's one of these guys I saw him when i saw him warm up he made 14 out of 15 free throws so but especially when you consider just kind of how weird and unorthodox his game is i think he could get there but there's so many boxes that have to be checked and then you're just looking at you know how many guards who score under 15 points a game which you know i could see him being in that level you know he would just he's gonna have to get so efficient if he's not gonna be a high usage guy uh in addition to his passing it there's again he has such great strength that if he could even just get to be like passable in some of the areas we're talking about it could be uh you know maybe you could get to an all-star level and he's always going to be a guy i think who you know the traditional box score stats underrate what he's doing a, a little bit and he looks really good in the rpm numbers so i if i had to bet if you put a gun to my head does he make an all-star team or i guess more accurately does will he deserve to make an all-star team in his career i'm gonna say no uh you know maybe there's the la fan boost or just the coaches because he gets a lot of attention or whatever uh vote for him but in whether he will deserve to make it in my opinion i'm gonna say probably not uh but it's uh you know even if he becomes a quality starter for a while i mean that's the number two pick is no sure thing so it's that's not like he's gonna be a complete failure if he doesn't make an all-star team let's move now to uh brandon ingram uh, also age 20 remember he has that late september birthday uh turns 21 september of this year Uh, what have you seen seen from him this season well i i came away maybe maybe it was just my expectations of what the season would be i came away a little bit um unimpressed with what i saw just like watching him and then i looked into the numbers and i i was more impressed again so i just touching on a couple of things uh i think he's gotten a Wait, lot that's better. that's interesting so you're saying you're saying you weren't impressed watching him but you were impressed by the numbers so i think generally for most people who would say the opposite about him well why don't i just jump into a couple of the numbers that uh impressed me at least i think overall just like his offensive burden has really increased uh, overall. Like his usage has jumped from 17% to 22%. Assist percentage has jumped from 10% to 18%. Uh, a lot more of his buckets are unassisted. So he, he's carrying a lot more of a load for the team overall. And especially when you factor in, you know, how young he is, he has a 54% true shooting percentage and that's not, you know, great efficiency. But at that young age with, you know, this type of like creation burden that he has, especially on a team with not a lot of spacing, I came away, I don't know, I, I thought it was better than I thought it would be watching him just because when you watch him he doesn't have that many like athletic plays or you know and you've mentioned this before like plays where his length sticks out I think a lot of the plays I watch he'd drive into the paint and if he had a smaller defender he'd kind of just finish over him with length or shoot over him with length and if it was like a big that was dropped in a pick and roll he'd just run into the big and not really know what to do and part of that is his inability he's really bad in the non-restricted paint area uh yeah yeah, 24 percent on the year so he's totally like given up on that shot in the games I've seen so you know with a guy 
guy that is not a you know high volume three point shooter. He's going to be attacking the basket downhill, and when he doesn't have that you know pull up or stop short option, he, a lot of the time he just stop, turn around, you know, look for a guy at the three point line, and a lot of them were turnovers. So it wasn't like the most aesthetically like pleasing style of you know way to play. But I, I was really impressed with you know like I said a lot of the numbers, and especially when you factor in how much he's getting in the line. So even though he's not having a lot of those highlight plays, that's helping his efficiency a lot. So I, I just thought as a scorer he was better than I thought. I mean, so have you, I don't know. You've you've talked about him a lot, but like, do those numbers do anything to change your mind about like I don't know how he's played or your evaluation of him? Uh, not particularly. I mean, it with with Ingram, it it's just such a such a challenge to really calibrate for me where where he's going because you brought up the idea of trajectory, and I I'm a little bit uncomfortable with that with that idea in terms of him as a scorer as a creator for other people. Yeah, he certainly looked more capable, but. I mean, just just the nature of how teams defend him. The biggest thing that might end up happening is also if he can become a smaller cog in a much better machine. And the problem with that, though, is it would take Ingram more off ball, and he's been best on ball this year. Yeah, and I, I, again, this, these are not the be-all, end-all, and he was suffering with a groin injury, but seeing him shoot, you know, is basically right around 50% on NBA threes, and he definitely has really passed up those shots unless he's been in the corner, uh, not really looking to take that shot off the drill. Much like Giannis, actually, he took a lot more three-pointers last year, uh, in his first year and then Giannis was kind of told to chill out on that I'm not sure whether Ingram has been told that uh, I think the mid-ranger has looked okay and I disagree with you a little bit here Liam I, I think he's been able to you know he's not blowing by guys but he's able to get into the lane a, a fair amount with that hesitation dribble which is really where a lot of it starts we talked about that in our breakdown whatever it was uh, about a month ago for him um, and I mean I think if you're going to talk about like the growth that we wanted to see from him this year I think other than the three-point shot shooting we've probably seen it in every area and you know just where i disagree on ingram i think with a lot of people in laker fandom is just i don't see the absolute like top end superstar upside unless he just gets to be a way better shooter or way more athletic than he's shown so far but but what do you see uh as kind of his ceiling same kind of question there as we were talking about with lonzo liam that's a tough one because i don't know maybe i keep going like back and forth on it i think i kind of settled in i i kind of like lonzo's you know, future a little bit more. Um, just because, and this is something that like really stuck with me with something that you've said, and I tried to watch for it is, you know, his, his length doesn't pop out. So when you're watching, like he doesn't have, you know, a great rebound percentage for someone his size. I think, you know, he doesn't get a ton of steals. And it's just as far as a passing lane and just contesting guys, like I think a couple times he got, you know, bodied and knocked back and his length kind of got negated on a couple of his contests. So he, he wasn't like big defensive impact hope you would get with a guy with, I think it's a seven four wingspan and a wing that's like really mobile. So when you factor, I don't know, he's like average-ish defensively right now, and he could definitely improve in that area. And I definitely agree that I don't think he has like superstar, like number one option offensive potential. But I, I kind of think he settles in as, you know, a pretty good, you know, starter. And, and I, I'm not quite sure I see all-star with, but I don't know, a- ask me, you know, two months into next season, and I, I, I could, you know, think differently. All right, well, when we do our uh, top 10 prospects list, uh, actually. And one other thing to note on both Ingram and Ball is one of those guys better figure out how to shoot because... Because with them, and then if Julius Randle is still going to be a part of this core too, who we're going to get to, uh, you're just not going to have enough shooting on the floor with those three guys if, you know, at least one of those guys isn't shooting a pretty high volume and shooting in the high 30s from three. Let's move to uh, maybe the biggest surprise rookie. Uh, No, that'd probably be Donovan Mitchell. But maybe the second biggest surprise rookie of the season, Kyle Kuzma, the 22-year-old out of Utah. And uh, the first thing you have written down here is the biggest thing that jumped out to you was that he took some 
some really bad shots which you take as a good sign can you explain that yeah just then i like he's at a 55 percent true shooting percentage right now with a pretty high usage rate for a rookie and and especially i think i saw this note that you had somewhere else in the doc that we have like a lot of the rookies true shooting percentages are like really low like mid 40s so when you take in the fact that like he's you know creeping up towards league average on a pretty good usage rate for a rookie i, I think that's a good thing good sign that like if you take away some of those bad shots and a lot of it's like i don't think that he doesn't have the ability to get better shots a lot of the shots i saw were like early shot clock or um the game winner that he tried to take against milwaukee he shot a three with like Giannis like directly in his face when like he didn't necessarily have to and he, he had time to make a move off of that and there are a lot of other plays like that where i thought that he was you know taking a jumper with two guys near him or stuff like that and that's something that i think will kind of get cleared up a little bit with the lakers personnel i assume they'll try and get more shooting in there that's going to be a big offseason priority for them so and a little bit more of a space court because right now he's probably the best spacer that they have maybe you could argue brooke lopez just with his ability to pull out the big although he hasn't shot it great this year i think but like when he's the one that's driving and attacking everybody else is pitching into the lane we've talked about how ingram and lonzo don't have that gravity off ball and if they're playing with randall too that's not a floor spacer either so i kind of take it as a good sign and i don't that he's taking bad shots and his efficiency is still that good i guess that's what i mean because i i still think he's got you know pretty good quickness i i liked his driving ability his offensive you know creativity just his ability to get good shots and i thought he was taking bad ones that he didn't have to not necessarily that he couldn't get better um do you, i don't know does that make any sense do you do you agree with that or am, am i just yeah I, I think so and you know he does have a high skill level i think sometimes too a player who has a rapid advance in his skill level the way kuzma has i mean remember like he wasn't really even a good three-point shooter at utah so to be this level of shooter you know taking some of the shots you're talking about and, and making him at a decent enough clip it is impressive but i think sometimes when you improve that much it's like it's kind of hard to know what you get so much confidence in your newfound abilities that it's almost hard to know like where they end uh and so that might be part of what he's going through but you know the usage is not that high i would like to see and because of the lakers personnel i think this has been difficult to see him get a chance to work one-on-one a little bit more especially either you know not necessarily facing up off the dribble but i think his post game his uh, iso triple threat game has been really good and the other thing that i've been really impressed by although he hasn't finished incredibly well at the rim in part i think because of again the, the issues you talked about with him being one of the key spacers on the team uh and so there's no spacing when he tries to drive but his floater game is really fantastic uh you know he's shooting one of the better percentages shoots a, a lot of those shots and, and these are not like easy floaters either where like someone throws it to him at the dotted line and he just throws up a floater you know these are plays where he's driving to the rim he's got to pull up a little bit earlier and float one high off the glass so that's really impressed me for him yeah and especially those running hook shots that every i swear like early in the year every time he took one i was like why are you taking that and then it would be like a perfect switch yeah like it's exactly right i mean he takes a lot of these shots where you're like wow i can't believe that went in yeah but if it happens often enough then you got to start believing in it a little bit and i definitely started have to i i mean i started um believing in it just just because like you said that's such a high number of attempts i it's hard to believe that that's you know really all that fluky and another thing I i was wondering about um do you think that he's capable of playing a lot of minutes small forward this year they've had him at like 20 percent of his minutes at small forward i think offensively he's a better threat as a mismatch at power forward but something you guys have touched on a lot is like there there aren't a lot of quality you know small forwards in the league and if he can pinch up a position you know whether it's you know those minutes that ingram isn't playing you know small forward i think that could be pretty valuable and especially if he's kind of got a little bit of a post game if he could take his advantage of some of those size mismatch and defensively i thought he moved you know pretty well laterally i mean he has his other problems but i, I don't think he was way outmatched there i mean do you think he can you know 
help shift and play some of those minutes. Well, what's interesting about that idea, what's interesting about that idea is I don't think he's going to be a plus defender anywhere. So maybe just making, he, let's say he's a, a step down as a three than as a four. That would make it a, a, an interesting play. And I would say they shouldn't game plan for it. You know, I think you want to build your kind of your personnel theory of Kuzma around him being a four. But then if the opportunity presents itself, especially if you have a capable rim protecting five, which they, I think you would be a prerequisite in a lot of these different alignments, then sure, you can try it out. His limitations to me mostly come as an off-ball defender, where early in the year in particular, he's been better of late. He had comically low block and steal rates, just not a guy who is protecting the rim as a help defender in the slightest. But yeah, I mean, I think he could have the skill level to play the three. You know, do you want him, you know, if he's going to play the three, he's got to guard and we talked about this when we looked at our the worst defensive small forwards that there really are not very many players who start at the three who actually are not great you know I shouldn't say not great, but are not very good defenders because there's just there's a need for that position to defend. And if he's going to start there, if he's going to guard the other team's all-star three, you know, I, I don't think that that's really going to work out very well. But certainly they can steal some minutes there. They've been forced to with all the injuries that they've had and just the dearth of small fours on the roster to begin with. Um, once again, for him, what do you see as his eventual role, especially considering that he's a little older than some of the other guys we were talking about at 20? I think he's got a pretty big range of outcomes. I think he'd be an ideal, like, uh, you know, smaller four in the modern game that can, you know, shoot, drive, pass, dribble, all that stuff. Um, so I, I, I say most likely he's a starter and he's, you know, a pretty useful one at that. Not, but I could also see, you know, ranges where, he, you know, this is the, his best offensive season and he kind of falls off after this. I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's tough to not overreact to, you know, a full season of, you know, strong play. But I, I think, you know, where he came from last year has to factor in a little bit just taking a look at you know what type of player we thought he was coming into the year i think that has to factor a little bit in equation how you value him long term yeah and, and the defense as well i think you know i think he's going to be a valuable score and i do think i mean in iso 1.14 points per session that's awesome 92nd percentile post-ups 1.07 points per session that's 91st percentile and combined that's uh over about 140 possessions on the season so i i would like to see him get more of these chances maybe with some more spacing he can just my gut feels like he's gonna be more of a scoring forward off the bench who maybe closes the game if it's the right matchup due to some of his defensive limitations and maybe they feel like all right if you're gonna switch everything we can get by with him or maybe he can get better as a help defender but i'm not sure that you want him as your starting four unless you're gonna have a really good defensive center which does not appear to be in the pipeline here anytime soon uh but let's move to julius randall a breakout season for the 23 year old well speaking of not so strong defensive centers uh he has definitely had his struggles you know in that area this this season and he's a guy that uh last year i actually thought believed in a little bit more than i think most people and then this year i know he's played way better but now i think a lot of people are saying like you know he should be paid big money over the summer or, like paid starter money and i I'm not sure I quite buy that yet. And he's got, you know, obviously phenomenal strengths when you take a look at his ability to score in the paint. He's improved his percentage at the rim. He's shooting 70% at the rim this year, 61% last year. 61% true shooting percentage. He's a really effective, you know, offensive player overall. He gets the line a ton. And down low, he's just a load with his strength and his speed. Like the, the combination of strength and speed that he has, like, I don't know how many guys in the league, you know, have that, you know, type of combination. I don't know, maybe like 10, you know, not not many. But and the problem 
problem is, is just there's not a lot of like refinement to a lot of that. He still won't go right at all. Like the number of times that he like he must lead the league in charges, just going you know right into guys' chest when they're like facing like completely towards the sideline, trying to prevent him from going left. And he'll still barrel into him because he refuses to go right. And he even missed the um it would have been the go ahead basket in the Milwaukee game. Uh, he shot a left handed layup on the right side. So like those limitations just aren't going to go away. I feel like if he was going to you know start to develop that right hand, he would have done it a little bit by now. And the bigger problems are just like defensively to me. He hasn't expanded his game outside the paint at all offensively. So if he's not going to be a stretch, you know, big, he has to provide some interior defense and play some at center, I think, in the modern NBA. And he hasn't been able to do that defensively as much to me. I thought he was really inconsistent with a lot of his rotations. He, he doesn't have, you know, great length to wall up and, you know, have good verticality when he's protecting the rim. He has a good, you know, thick chest that guys are going to bounce off of some. But teams are shooting 41% of their shots at the rim when he's at center. And that's way too many for any lineup. So I still worry about his defensive ability. I, I don't, have, have you guys, you know, seen much improvement in his defensive awareness and his ability to play center? Because that's really what it comes down to. If you believe that he can be, you know, a quality defensive center and even just like, you know, be the foundation, like the starting center on a league average defense team, then I think he is worth the money. But like, I'm not convinced that he can be that. Well, to me, uh, for Randall, he could be effective as a switch guy. I think he's looked good, even against some of the better players in the league, switching onto them and teams trying to attack them now you have to have the right personnel around that it's not just about your center being able to switch but then you got to have the rest of your team as well and maybe with Lonzo if he can get a little bit stronger he's a, a larger point guard maybe that can be part of their attack I thought when he's played the four next to Lopez and he's had to play in a conventional non-switching system that's when it, his weaknesses have really showed up and you mentioned the problems as a help defender I think he could be real good denying penetration but in conventional pick and roll defense his angles are all wrong he, he really fails to execute there even though you would think with his mobility he could be better so I do worry about his defense I mean they have defended much better than expected this year he's been a part of that Uh, and I also agree with what you said about him being such a massive problem as a matchup guy because you can say okay you know we're gonna put our center on you right oh well that's fine you just back off he can't shoot anything well he's quick enough that as you mentioned he can get past the guy get a shoulder into him and he can even finish over some of the bigger centers once he's able to get past him he is just such a bull uh with his strength and you know you, you mentioned the right hand it actually is better amazingly I mean, as hard as that is to say uh he still doesn't really like to do it but his explosion is enough that he can kind of even jump over guys even when he's bringing the ball back into him and then obviously if you go with the skinnier guy on him who can hold up against his quick now he's really just get, that guy's probably going to just get run over uh legally a lot of the times although i know he does commit a lot of charges but uh so he is a guy where he can be very very difficult to stop but again you do wonder of how good can he be as a support player he can't shoot at all he's kind of got to play center can he really be you know among the best players on a good team when you consider some of the fit issues around him i mean i guess probably the defensive analog to him would be tristan thompson but even thompson has like a 7-4 wingspan and is probably a better rim protector even than randall is randall is a pretty limited wingspan as i recall like under nine feet or i'm sorry uh, under uh seven feet i think can I ask you, uh, like, if, let's say you're like a team that needs, you know, a big or starting center, like in this market, and obviously context matters, but just in the, you know, in the general sense, like, what are what are you offering him, Saucy? Well, Eric Pincus reported that the Lakers could have had him for an extension starting at his cap hold this summer, which would have been twelve point four million, and then would have presumably had eight percent raises going up. So that probably would have averaged out to about fourteen million or so per season. The question just becomes 
who the other suitors are for and that's, this may not be the place to, to talk about that necessarily but you know I, I think you still he's shown such ability as a scorer and he's young enough and he does have those quick feet defensively that you know I think I I don't know if I'd be comfortable just giving him starter type of money like 15 million a year but it wouldn't I don't think it would be crazy to do that you know I might want to start a little bit lower but I do think something with eight figures because of the matchup problems that he causes and maybe you know he can't close every game for you but especially if you have a team that's like struggling to score on the bench you know he could be really useful there um so I don't know uh, it could be that this uh, breakout for him is, is a little bit of a mirage but certainly when you consider how much more efficient he's been than in past years and just how much trouble teams have had dealing with him as a matchup problem I mean I like those guys who look like they really can't be stopped unless you have like a truly special kind of player and Randall has shown some signs of that this year and so I think just because of that potential uh maybe you do try to take a chance on him uh it just depends where you are as a team and and that's something we'll talk about obviously in their offseason preview or maybe when we probably actually more when we look at the power forwards uh and the bigs uh when we go through the free agent class later on um let's talk about the rest of their guys quickly here uh Josh Hart at age 22 showed some role player potential this year. What are your impressions of him? I really like him as a guy that can like fit in a lot of lineups and I just think like in a playoff series like he'll be able to stay on the floor you know and be a threat on both sides of the ball he he's, doesn't have any mid-range game to speak of I think in in college too he tried to avoid those shots as much as he could and, and it's the same in the pros as well I think he's only yeah. got that's um, fine for me I, it doesn't bother me exactly. at all given his role that, that's exactly what you want from a role player he's only taken 32 uh you know shots out you know between three-point line and outside you know the restricted area all season and he's 42 percent three 65 percent from the rim he's a great rebounder for a wing you know a lot of really good you know reads defensively rotations uh he doesn't have the greatest lateral quickness i don't think it's like a huge like, i don't think he's like a sieve, a sieve but like he, he's not great in that area he got beat a couple times by De'Aaron fox today and just a couple other guys with you know really nice crossovers and he doesn't have quite the length to be a small forward or the size you know he's not gonna he doesn't have a great lower body as far as strength he definitely competes in that area but he'll get posted up by some of the bigger guys and unable to contest like taller small forwards like middleton got him for a couple step back jumpers but I also like just the way he fits in especially with the Lakers like he's a really good cutter runs the floor well and those are really valuable attributes for when you're playing with a guy like Lonzo so you know not a guy with a ton of upside overall I just like him as a really solid guy that I think he could you know fit most lineups as two guard um switching he might not be the most effective guy but you know there's a lot of things that he can do that you know scream like guy that you can play in a playoff series I don't know what what have you seen well he does have a, a pretty big wingspan for his size maybe not for a small forward but he's a in the high six foot i've even seen it reported as high as seven foot uh which seems maybe a little extreme i don't know that it, that it's that high but uh and he's got some strength and he's going to continue to add strength yeah he's going to get scored on some but i think you know he's not so skinny that guys could just go right through i think he can provide something as a switch defender and then you know, he plays hard he gets out in transition hits some shots yeah not bad with the 30th pick you know i, I think he, he's definitely you know is he ready to start quite yet uh you know maybe not maybe you need a little bit more shooting because it, you know he's not really would you agree with this he's not really like he's more of a okay we'll throw it to you when you're open and you make the shot than like a guy who's really going to be able to come off screens and shoot or really you know has a lot of versatility to a three-pointer at this point i'd agree with that right now i think that's definitely something you can improve on like he's not gonna you know fly he doesn't have that like jj reddick type gravity where you run in plays from all the time trying to open up slips to the big he, he, i agree he doesn't have that yet and uh, i think also just a, as a four-year guy coming out 
out of Villanova where he's very well coached. Villanova has a, a good reputation for player development. Seems like he really has a good idea from a scheme perspective uh, of what they're trying to do defensively. Yeah, I, I always go back to, I remember hearing um, Stan Van Gundy, you know, defend J.J. Reddick's defense when he was back with Orlando. I remember him saying, like, he, he always knew that J.J. Reddick was going to execute, you know, the scheme the way he needed to. And I think that's another thing that coaches are going to value a ton. Like, he's going to be a guy that gets, you know, a lot of playing time just because he's somebody that can trust. You know, coaches, you know, like reliability more than anything. And he, he's definitely going to give that to, you know, whoever he's playing. All right, let's do 60 seconds uh, on some of the rest of their guys here. Start with uh, their two-way guy, uh, Alex Caruso, who is at, at 23 out of Texas A&M, spent last year in a OKC system with the OKC Blue, but uh, has been on a two-way with the Lakers this year. Yeah, he had a big breakout in uh, the Vegas Summer League. He was probably one of the best players there. And I think he's going to be a good backup long-term somewhere. He, he really hasn't shot the ball well in the NBA in 342 minutes. He's 7 of 38 outside the paint. He's been a total non-shooter in the NBA. But I, I don't think that's really all that indicative of you know how he is as a shooter overall. In two years in the G League, he's a 39% three-point shooter on like three and a half attempts a game. And I don't I don't think he, he's, he's never had the rep as like a complete non-shooter. So while I don't think he's going to be you know a great shooter, I think he, he'll be able to shoot enough to uh, get people to respect him as in a second unit. And he's just a fantastic passer, you know, great reads defensively. He, off-ball defender, he's he's right up there with, I don't know, he's not as long as Lonzo, but like he, he has that same type of ability to, you know, read the playoff ball and get a ton of steals and really frustrate the opponent. And on-ball, he's got pretty good lateral quickness. He's still got beat some just because, I mean, with the with the athletic ability of point guards league, you got to get beat naturally. But I, I thought he, I think he's actually, you know, a plus defender on-ball and off-ball, I think he's fantastic. I respectfully disagree with you on his shooting just because he's passed up so many shots. I mean, he really just does not look to take those at all. And 3.5 attempts per game is pretty low um, for a, a guy who's playing starter minutes in the G League. So I'll believe it when I see it with him getting better. But I do agree with the, much of what else you, you've said here. I also don't think he's quite as good on the ball as a penetration guy with his change of direction. But, uh, you know, I think an interesting analog for him would be TJ McConnell. Caruso has more size than McConnell, more ability to guard larger players, not quite as shifty with the ball to me. He doesn't have that mid-range game that McConnell has, doesn't have the strength that McConnell has, but somewhat of a similar player. I mean, Thomas Sadoransky is another guy who's, you know, a taller guy who, you know, has some, some passing ability, plays intensely. I agree with you on his defense. I've liked the way in particular that he just denies guys and makes it hard for them to get the ball. I mean, any player who's a young player on the Lakers is going to have more of a spotlight on him, but it's someone who I think it could be interesting. You know, I, I my inclination is that he probably won't be good enough offensively to really be that solid of an option as a rotation player. But, you know, it, especially if the shot comes along a little bit, maybe he can get there. And that's exactly who you want to have as a two-way guy. And, you know, for what it's worth, OKC, their staff apparently believed that he could be a, an NBA player as well. So uh, we'll end up, see what ends up happening with him uh, this summer um what about uh Avicha Zubac at age 20 he's a guy I'm not really much of a fan of I mean he's got a great sense of where to position himself you know for teammates when they're driving to receive those dump off passes those you know little side steps and just being able to create those angles I think that's an underrated skill that he's really good at and he's also got good timing as a role man you know good touch around the hoop he, he's not gonna get up and you know dunk a lot of you know you know shots in traffic he's 69 percent at the rim but he doesn't have any stretch to his game no you know touch outside the paint he's not comfortable at all 
ball sliding his feet on the perimeter. Uh, I think his motor has run a little bit hot and cold. You know, it hasn't been, I think, as good as maybe his reputation proceeds, just as a guy that gets a lot of baskets around the rim. And he doesn't offer, you know, much rim protection at all. So to me, just the inside scoring isn't enough for me to think that he's going to be a rotational guy. Yeah, and he's not really a guy who can get up for alley-oops as well either. I mean, he's got good touch. I think the 15-foot the jumper could come along in time, three-pointer, and maybe not. But I think the biggest problem is just that he's slow afoot defensively, doesn't really have the explosion to protect the rim, can't really get into position. Any kind of pick-and-roll coverage other than a drop is going to be a challenge for him. So I I'm I think he's someone who might get kept around as a third center. Maybe someone who, okay, we're going to bring him in ahead of the backup center and start him just so he because the only guy he can match up with is the other team center but i do think he's kind of more of a touch guy and a skill guy but he's got to really be just like more of a beast to carve out a role with uh his athletic limitations how about uh thomas bryant who has barely played for the lakers this year but uh, has been outstanding in the g league yeah he's 81 percent at the rim uh as of a couple weeks ago i looked at this uh in the g league this season which i thought had to be like a typo or something 81 percent you know pretty ridiculous especially for a guy that wasn't thought to have like you know crazy athleticism as a center but he's finding ways to finish down there and he's averaging 20 a game seven rebounds two assists a block and a half a game in the G league and he's 36 percent three-point shooter and you know his big swing skill is can't can he move his feet on the perimeter can he guard out in space at all and I think that was the big question coming out him you know with him coming out in the draft so I don't know if he's you know been able to really you know improve that as much in the G league you know obviously I'm sure they have him out there a little bit I think the South Bay likes to switch a lot but he's not up against NBA caliber athletes so it's it's really hard to get a gauge of you know if he's any better against nba point guards in that respect my guess is not but i'd be pretty shocked if they don't bring him back next year on his non-guaranteed deal uh he's you know a great bench locker room guy he's had a great season in the g league like I said and he's also one of the most you know fun guys to watch on the bench celebrating he, he's just uh crazy with his celebration so he's a great bench and locker room guy so i i'd expect him to be back but i don't know what to expect from long term also noteworthy is it dropped 60 or i'm sorry 36.4 percent of his 164 three-pointers i'm sorry 184 three-pointers that type was really small uh this year so maybe uh, and he provided somewhat of a stretch element uh, coming out of indiana possible this summer that he could be a casualty of their quest for cap room because if they release him they'll get you know another like four hundred thousand bucks or so between the minimum cap hold and what his salary would be he could end up being in the same situation as david nuapo where he gets claimed somewhere i mean you'd imagine since he's played so well in the g league he, he probably would but that's only if they just have to squeeze out every few hundred thousand dollars of cap space so it probably won't end up being an issue and let's finish up here on it's kind of a depressing note with a guy that danny and i both liked uh, and were surprised that he signed for so little with the lakers tyler ennis who had been a massive disappointment until that late season run with the lakers a, a year ago but he's just had a nightmare of a season yeah there's not really uh many many positives to touch on uh he's had a bad season 45 percent true percentage on a really low usage uh, he's shooting 28 percent three and 49 percent rim and he doesn't really have the quickness or athleticism to really penetrate you know demand defensive attention that's going to open up all of his pass skills he was a great passer coming out of college and can't really exploit that it's not creating the advantage drawing you know guys to him opening up those passes. and as a defender i just don't think he's very good overall i think he's a pretty smart player but he's slow he lacks size to guard two guards the speed 
need to guard point guards you know i, I just don't think he's that many. yeah a little lesson about the dangers of small samples 39 percent 21 out of 54 last year from three 10 out of 42 pretty similar number of attempts 24 percent i'm not sure that he's a better shooter last year than he was this year it could just be the numbers matching up although he has looked a little bit more hesitant to shoot it as the shots haven't gone in as much but he's been out of the rotation even with all the injuries that they've had uh, for most of the year so certainly a disappointment for him a guy that we thought maybe could mature into being a quality option as a backup point guard all right well that will do it for today thanks so much for listening uh, of course we'll be back tomorrow we're going to do the rest of the pacific division including the suns and kings actually only the suns and kings tomorrow maybe we'll get into a few more as well with this and obviously if, if any news occurs we'll bring that to you as well maybe catch up uh, on the playoff and tank races again real quickly i know we did that massive breakdown last week won't be quite at that level but thanks again for listening and we'll talk to you all tomorrow night till then thanks again to coca-cola and powerade for sponsoring today's program stock up on coca-cola coke zero sugar powerade and my personal favorite powerade zero drink a bunch of that when i went up on a ski trip at altitude gotta stay hydrated swing by walmart before every round to pick up that stuff make sure your fridge isn't empty by halftime NCAA March Madness isn't just one game, it's a whole tournament. Make sure you're ready. Refresh every round by heading to Walmart to pick up Coca-Cola, Coke Zero Sugar, and Powerade. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.